1: I will say my gut is usually right when I take a look at the data, (laughs) but um, I had to present in a more data-driven path because if I wasn't, then I was just navigating the team down a path that was blindfolded. And so that really, I've really stepped up my game in really data-driven results that will help us to achieve goals and really go down the right path.
0: Three, two... One. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world. And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast, Follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, where we are celebrating women in tech from around the world. Here with us today, we have Tiffany Dominguez from Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Anika Aftab, and I'm based in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I've been passionate about the healthcare space my entire life. I'm incredibly excited to be interviewing women that are changing the healthcare landscape one tech company at a time. All right, Tiffany, so tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Sounds good Anika. Um, I am Tiffany Dominguez and I am a, I'm the director of SMB customer success at Alation Health. And so I help with our SMB team that consists of I think about 9 of us now um, to help with Alation Health and help our providers just succeed in in uh, getting in a successful just patient experience for
0: them. So what is SMB? I mean, I'm on your team, so I, I obviously know. But for our listeners, tell us a little bit more about what is what does your team do?
1: Yeah, so we cover, um, SMB stands for small to mid-sized businesses. Um, so we would cover kind of what you would sometimes see in tech as the smaller to commercial. So SMB to commercial size customers that we would take a look at. So our um, we own quite a bit of the customers. And so it's really important for us to get the customer experience right and to be able to serve the customers the right way. We work with primary care providers um, that you would see day in and day out in different parts of your life. And we're really helping them to provide the best service in terms of an EMR. So it's electronic medical records um, in order to ensure just getting everything correct, not only correct and uh, and getting your data correctly inside their system, but also just performing and accelerating and helping you get the best care possible.
0: And that's so incredibly important because you said it yourself, like primary care providers are usually the ones that we go to see. Like they're the ones that, you know, know more about us than a lot of other individuals might. And um, they're so incredibly important and we need to support them better. So you've been working for Alation for about how long now?
1: A little over a year. I just celebrated. Um, so it is my first time being in a, the um, EMR or health industry um, and i've been super excited to be able to take it on and really learn a lot about what customer success means in this world of of uh, healthcare so i actually um i worked i've been working in tech for man many years now um and i got more immersed into this healthcare industry through a previous leader of mine that was here and it's it was just great to hear of the passion he had this mission really speaks to all of us. As we just said, we are everybody, everybody comes to goes and sees, well, we hope that everybody goes to see a primary care provider. Um, And it's a mission that speaks not only to yourself and what you want to see have happen with yourself and your family, but also it speaks to being able to help the providers that are doing this hard work in the field and, and helping those patients.
0: So I love that you say like, you know, the mission. What, what is, what is, what is the mission of Elation, or what does the mission mean to you?
1: I mean, the mission means to me, I think what we kind of say in a definition of what, if you looked up Alation Health, it, it says something about, we just, des- they, you know, everybody deserves phenomenal patient care. So to me, words mean everything. Phenomenal is a big word to uh, achieve. And that's what we're doing here at Elation. We really believe in, Really taking a level up from the patient care that you normally have seen day in and day out, and really being able to put all the you know the, the tech in front of the um, providers in order to provide that phenomenal care for you.
0: And I think the key word here is the tech, right? We are bringing that innovation, we're bringing that efficiency um, and they, we need it. The healthcare space does need a little bit of a, like a facelift in my opinion, and I can go down that route, (laughs) but um, even just being immersed in, so you said that health tech, this is the first time in health tech in comparison to your other tech positions, which please tell me which, what, what they were, where you've kind of, you know, uh, you've been, um, how different has it been for you experiencing this side versus the others?
1: You know, when it comes to customer experience and and customers, whether they're providers, whether they're sales managers, whether they're um, running shoe stores, I have seen all of it. There is a common denominator that the customer experience is the same wherever you go. And so that's been nice for me to be able to come in as a leader, knowing that the customer's experience that I want to achieve across our teams is going to be the same. It's a human experience. It's we need to create a good human experience. Um, we need to have more human interactions and be able to help within tech uh, for this. And so that there's been a a seam um, a that's been the same alongside. I do think though, with every customer that you serve, they're going to be different and it's important to understand their needs and their business wants. So that's been really exciting to see the challenges that are facing right now with primary care. Um, There's a lot of challenges that we've all seen happen in the last couple of years, but there's going to be differences in primary care that we hope to achieve and help with for sure.
0: Can you highlight a bit of the other tech companies that you've worked for? Yeah. So it it really started with running shoes.
1: Um, So I know that sounds, you think software when you hear tech, but running shoes have a lot of tech. And so it it started with running shoes. And um, I was then kind of working through uh, what I would do is I was called a tech rep. So like, as you know, it's the technology that I'm actually educating all of the sales people on how to sell the running shoes most effectively. And when it came to running shoes, it came to the technology that you could provide that was different for every runner walker that came in, that they needed a different shoe for how they walked, uh, how they ran. And so, I started as a tech rep in sales for a long period of time. And that led me to working with Dick Sporting Goods to kind of bigger companies that I then got a job with Dick Sporting Goods in their online registration company. So that kind of turned to this software sales and was able to now work with like coaches and everybody that was also trying to do right in the world. And I mean, I, I have two small children. I can't imagine coaching right now. <laughs> it's a lot. So being able to help them with online registration. So if their young kids are registering for soccer, that was a software program that I helped train and implement and educate uh, people on. And then that kind of led me to software sales. And so I was working as a part of a tech company called Sales Loft, and it's a sales engagement platform. So my customer was really the sales teams, the sales managers, and they were really trying to create a personalization at scale when they were reaching out and selling whatever product they were selling. So I remember specifically being interviewed and they're like, going from running shoes to software, it's gonna be quite the leap. And I was like, not really. And here's why. <laughs> so, it's been great to be able to gain so much knowledge in different parts of the industry to take this to the role that I am today.
0: Tiffany, I love your story because first and foremost, it doesn't seem very linear. And you know, we—that's my favorite type of a journey because you know you were able to try these little different pieces, gain these new skills. Um, one of the fun facts that I've always said out, out to me about you is that was it your first job was at. a did you say porta potty? <laughs> so, <laughs> I first off, I just need to know, like, I just need a little bit of background there for that before I ask my next question. Because, I mean, it's it's amazing, you know, that you that you were able to kind of, you know, find the courage to try new things and to to do more and be more. I mean, where you are today, it's can you imagine, like. Going back to your porta potty days and saying, you know, in X amount of years, I'm going to be the director of S and B, like CS, <laughs> um, for this amazing health tech company.
1: I really pride myself on the deep experience that I have. One of them being porta potties. So, as a tech rep, one of the things we were so we would not only educate our our so the running shoe companies of the world. So, think Hibit Sports, Dick's Sporting Goods. We also had the local local. Running shops, but we would also work those bigger events like rock and roll events that you might, may or may not have run a marathon or half marathon in. And you could qualify to become this, um, get these VIP porta potties. So as a tech rep, I'd wake up at 3 30 in the morning and service those porta potties and let people into the red gate and be able to, you know, deliver on a VIP service for porta potties. So It's all about customer service in the end. It was fun to be a part of that because in the morning, those are those people like getting ready to do some of the hardest things they've ever done, like run a marathon for the first time. And those rock and rolls really had first timers and I love to be a part of that. So I gained a lot of knowledge that way. I also learned how to um, service a porta potty if something happens, so... (laughs)
0: Hopefully you're not going to be the one that has to do it if something does happen, but good to know I can call you up in case. Um, (laughs) So I love that there's this central theme of, you know, communicating with people, but helping people just, it's working with people. Yeah. Would you say that that's your calling or what would you say your calling is?
1: I would say, you know, in the end it narrowed into leadership and I wondered why sometimes, but, um, I I can't help, but just talk about the first job I had out of college was while I was working two jobs, but it was serving. And then it was also a monastery preschool teacher. And to be honest, I did, you know, I was 22, 23 at the time. And I could, what I didn't realize is, uh, being a monastery preschool teacher to 22, three and four year olds is not an easy job, but I did it pretty well and i don't know i kind of was trying to figure out why and i think it was because i really respected those kids i listened to them i understood what they were liking what they didn't like i spoke to them on a level that not a lot of adults did and they really gained respect from me and it the classroom worked really well and i kind of realized that i love that communication i was like i can speak very well to a 3 and 4 year old it's not that much different when you're a leader like It's really, you respect people, you listen to them, you challenge them to become even better. And I think that's where my calling is, is I just love like educating people. I love challenging them. I love, you know, helping them to be the best humans that they can be. Because a lot of times with work, it's so much more about than just work, the work alone. It's about the person and and the person you're becoming. And I love being a part of that. And so that really led me down the path of just naturally getting into leadership And also it's not just me, it's the mentors and leaders around me that really helped encourage me and challenge me to go to that next level and, uh, and become a leader.
0: So I love that. And, and I see, I mean, our listeners can't see this, but I see all the photos that you have behind you, the paintings, and you have two children. Yes. How has that been for you being a mother and having those, that mindset of treating your, treating little kids, like not necessarily adults, but like with respect and with, you know, the the respect that you would have for someone that isn't like a two, three-year-old child. Um, so how, how has that been different for you?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I think, A of all, becoming a parent has made me a better leader. Your priorities become different and more important. And so it's easier for you to stay consistent and driving focus on those priorities and goals that you have in hand. Um, and I, I really pride myself on understanding people. And that has to go to my almost six year old and nine year old as well. You know, helping understand them who they are, helping get them to become those, you know, seeing their little characters emerge. And they're two totally different humans. And um I couldn't love it better because they're just like night and day different. But at the same time, that's what's helped me to understand that like I have two humans that are from the same family that are two totally different people. So I have to assume that everybody I interact with and everybody I lead are going to be completely different. And to be able to gain that understanding of how to lead them effectively has really helped me a lot.
0: Who has mentored you to where you are today?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, A of all, if you don't have a mentor today, start looking around and find that mentor, find that leader and be that person that's reaching out and saying, I want to learn from you. I want to gain more understanding, even if it's not your direct leader. Um, my mentor came when I was had a leader at Sales Loft and her name is Taylor. Taylor um, Johnston. And she had was the one that really taught me how, to, how I wanted to lead, to be honest. She was supportive. She was calm. She always was able to listen to me, but she also really was the one that called me out and challenged me in the times when I needed it the most too. And that is sometimes really hard to find these days. I think we're all scared to challenge one another um, in in these, these days with leadership and just to be honest in everyday world. And so she really did that she was the one that pushed me to become a manager. And then, you know, really I still, she and I are still really good friends. She lives in Colorado and she and I still hold each other kind of accountable because she's now head of customer success. And we navigate this together as women in tech, um, cause she's also in tech as well. And so it's been so nice to be able to see her become a mother, see her still have the same passion to become a leader. Because I think that we would all agree when you come become a mother, there are times where you're like feeling as though you shouldn't have your career also at your top of your list. And that's been a hard hurdle to navigate um, and to have a mentor that's also then become a mother and to be able to navigate that together. We're like, no, we wanna be some badass leaders and we also wanna be a really great mom. So we can do both. I promise you we, will, we can do both in this world. How do you, How do you find that balance? Um, so I think when, when I had my first child, um, work-life balance became the priority. It was a want, and then it became a need when I got, when I had a baby. Um, and so finding that work-life balance of like, I can come in and just, you know, get my stuff done and accomplished and do the things I want to be doing as a leader, but also really find that balance of being able to also know that my kids know that I, their top priority. Um, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's a, an evolving wave of consistency. It sometimes feels a lot and you go through, I'm not sure if I can keep doing this to, well, I'm also leading small little women, and uh, they're my <laughs> kids. And what would what what is their path going to look like? Wonder if they want to be a leader. I want to make this easier for them. So it's it's become more of a priority to do this, make sure that it's easier for all women to want to become leaders and work in the tech industry.
0: So, and something that was really interesting that you said um, that stood out to me is we're afraid to be open and honest, or you know, even just give. Like constructive feedback anymore, and I think something that you've always said is radical candor. Can you talk a little bit about about that? Where you came across it, how you apply it?
1: Yeah, so I started reading the book Radical Candor, and it's an author named Kim Scott that uh, wrote it. And as soon as we we were we read the book in customer success and started um, implementing some small behavior, like small changes that were coming from this book and the the way we can lead effectively with our teams. So one small thing I started doing with that team was um, each quarter we would Mm -hmm. lead a radical candor discussion and it was really just practicing how to give constructive feedback. And sometimes that's just it. You just have to know how to do it effectively and supportively inside the environment you're in. And so we would always do like one behavior or trait that we loved about the person that we wanted a behavior, not a trait, sorry, a behavior that they're doing that we want them to keep doing. And what's one behavior that we would like them to stop and why? So we'd go around the room and share it and so what it would start with is my entire team it was the most nerve-wracking meeting i would ever be on they would start with the radical candor to me and be able to share it across the team and i would sit there with my pen and nod my head i wouldn't ever question anything i'd maybe ask some questions and in turn, what I was showing them was I was effectively making changes from the feedback that they gave me because that what was so important to set up an environment for success. They gave me feedback. It was very hard to do. And in turn, I made changes that were effectively because of the direct feedback they gave me. So it got so good to where when COVID happened, we had a layoff and we were down some people and I really became this like, supportive. I stopped giving feedback. I just really was like caring a lot for the team. At the same time, I was like hindering to them with challenging them directly. And so the next radical candor came around and I was like, I've been, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I've nailed this. Like I've been super supportive. I haven't been giving them like, you know, constructive feedback as much. And their feedback was, we need more constructive feedback from you. (laughs) They're like, this is not the leader I know. And I'm like, wow, I thought I was doing this right. And they need this in their lives. So it became a need of how they effectively help themselves become better in their roles. And so every time I come to a new team, I present my radical candor deck and the reasons for it. And I really start with them, you know, asking, especially my leaders that I have right now, is there one piece of, is there a behavior that I need to keep doing? What do you like about my leadership style? What's one behavior that I could do better? Um, And I really you know, each quarter kind of pull that out of them so that they know how, that they know that it's supportive to give me direct feedback and that I will make changes effectively with that feedback. And also you get to know each other so much more with that. So it's been great. And it's something that I will keep leading with because it's just direct feedback in an empathetic way, basically.
0: What's a lesson that you've learned about yourself while, you know, pursuing your dreams? I would say
1: what sticks out in me because I was thinking about this as before we were having this interview, when I first became a leader, I had natural abilities that were I felt like I could easily coach and I really knew in my gut what was the right and the wrong, but um, delivering it with data became so important and it was something that I had never experienced as a leader and or was strong at. So I, I really, and, and this is one of my mentors, leaders, Taylor, that I mentioned, she was so good at this. And so being able to take that as an initiative to learn how do I drive, how do I tell a story more effectively with data is basically what I was going with, my goal was. Because I realized as good as I was a leader, and I could just say like, my gut is saying this. That's not really going to go that far in executive leadership. Um, I will say my gut is usually right when I take a look at the data, (laughs) but um, I had to present in a more data-driven path because if I wasn't, then I was just navigating the team down a path that was blindfolded. And so that really, I've really stepped up my game in really data-driven results that will help us to achieve goals and really go down the right path.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm on the same boat as you. I think I'm more like, no, but my gut says this is right. Or this is happening where it's like, "Mm, let's see, let's see the actual statistics of it. What recommendations would you have for someone that is looking to be able to create more solid, I guess, cases, if that's the word I'm looking for, um, or just, you know, present more of that data?
1: I would a couple of things that I started to take a look at was what data am I using now that I can pull from? So at the time it was Salesforce, and then we used a platform called Front App for us for our for how we answered our customers and their conversations. And so I I basically took what I had in front of me and utilized to the best potential. And in turn, for me learning how to drive that data, I started taking it and and inserting it to weekly um, team meetings so we could drive. And like the team loved it, like loved seeing this data in front of them. It was, it was motivating them. And it was a shocker to me. So I, I, you know, not to say that I'm not motivated by data. I obviously am now, but like, it was really cool to see that was another form of motivation that I could create by learning this, you know, style of leadership. And so take what's in front of you, learn it, ask questions. It's scary to ask the Salesforce admins questions, I promise you, but do it like, and don't, and you can't break much. Maybe a little bit, but like test some of the recording, maybe copy and save first. Salesforce admins will like me to say that and then play around with some reporting and and learn what you can be capturing, what's missing. And then the key questions you can be asking and working with the Salesforce admins or whoever your kind of ops person is. And every new leader uh, role that you get into, get to know your ops team that will help you to effectively learn data and drive it better.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about like a few of the obstacles that stand out to you that you had to overcome throughout your journey?
1: I I would say, I think, um, you know, some of the obstacles that are hard, especially if we're talking about the balance of family and um, it, it's, the challenge can be sometimes that you are geared and ready to go and your family needs you at certain times. So kids are getting, kids get sick. I don't know if you guys all know that, but you know, they get sick a lot, especially with, with a lot of us working remotely when kids are home, they're home and being able to figure out when I need to put the priority of the children first. Um, so, you know, cause I think for me, it's, you know, I have my career as well. And so being able to figure out that balance sometimes is a challenge because there's sometimes deadlines due and, and you can't help when kids get sick. And so being able to reflect, I also think it comes down to being more transparent with my leader at that time. Um, There were times in the past that I didn't want to share when a kid got sick because I didn't want it to be a detriment to my career. Um, Sometimes we fear that as women and I am becoming more transparent and less worry some of that and um being more communicative with my leader on it.
0: So what is your favorite book?
1: That's a tough one. Okay. My books are read with whatever whatever mood I'm in. So um I would say when I'm in the mood to really keep myself motivated, consistency atomic habits has been one that i've read and i've started to reread again Uh, it got brought up in my previous we had this like book club in my previous company and so we read it and it was amazing because that was like the one book i could take away like highlights of like i could really put this up in the wall and like keep myself consistent with goals that i want to keep achieving so i love that i recommend it to anybody to read it And then when I really just want to get out of my head, um, Colleen Hoover writes some very good drama, uh, like very good storytelling. And I'm in a, like another book club that we just read stuff like that. That like, honestly, I can like sit down and not think about anything and immerse myself in that book completely. So she's fun. I like how she writes her stories.
0: So what is your favorite podcast slash video series or Netflix series, anything?
1: Um, I would say right now with podcasts, I am listening to Unlocking, I think it's called Unlocking Us by Brene Brown. I'm a huge fan of hers because she just, she really creates an authentic connection with every conversation she has with people. And I, that's my... But if we haven't listened to the whole podcast so far, I love that. And that's something I'm achieving. And I love how she does that. She asks the, the tough questions and she asks it in a empathetic and supportive direct way. So I love, that's probably one I'm listening to right now.
0: And then how can people connect with you?
1: I would say I'm mainly on LinkedIn. So you can connect me through my LinkedIn profile. I'm under Tiffany Dominguez. So I would love to have more connections. I'm starting to kind of navigate I think for for once, there's more channels and customer success focus. And so a lot of those, you can see through my LinkedIn that I'm starting to follow and really kind of streamline a new customer success channel that really we as leaders can collaborate and everything. So I'd love to connect.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more incredible women in technology around the world, remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. You can say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, or Facebook. And I will see you on the next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.